Okay, good morning. This is Henry Harris. Welcome to <clears throat> another edition of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today, where does breath come from? That's our topic for today, but let's begin with our summary of what this call is about. When we speak of the spiritual foundations of mental health, we're pointing to the idea that we have unconditional health. We have unconditional well-being, meaning our, our wealth, our health, our, well, our, our health and well-being is not dependent on anything of this world, including our feelings in the moment. We could have whole bunches of distressing feelings. Um, and yet that would not point to a lack of mental health or well-being because our, our mental health and well-being is unconditional. We are healthy. The presence of distressing feelings, of, 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 uh, of anxious feelings, of fearful feelings, of whatever they are, those are not evidence. They're not indication of a lack of well-being. Rather, they are part of a healthy human being. As we've said on, 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 on quite a few occasions, our, our body right now is a healthy human being is flowing with both um, oxygenated, nutrition-filled blood as well as toxin-poison-filled blood. It, it, it would be, it would be un, not nonsensical to, for a person to, to seek medical help to remove all presence of toxins from his bloodstream because there's a normal flow of toxins in every human being. That's just kind of part of the system. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that there isn't, um, it, it, it can feel very painful. And certainly our misunderstanding can enhance the pain quite a bit. But there's a value in knowing that we are healthy right now. There's a value in knowing that it's not on us to create our health. Our health and well-being is independent of our efforts, our exertions, our, under, our, our understanding. It is unconditional. The only thing that can happen is that when we, when we misunderstand how our health operates, how our psychological experience operates, then we can live inside uh, a, a sense that we lack health. We can. We can perceive and experience ourselves to lack health, but that would be a function of, of our misunderstanding. So let's speak of some practical uh, applications or examples of this. When when I experience, um, let's say I experience distress and impatience in my uh, role as a parent, I can come to the conclusion that there's something wrong with me in my ability to be a good parent. I could. I could really come to associate this as something essential to where I'm, to, to me and to where I'm at in my life as a parent. And obviously, I, there is such a thing as having angry feelings as a parent and angry feelings as a parent can uh, get in the way of doing the job that we'd like to do as a parent or for any purpose or job in this world. Angry, fearful, insecure feelings can undermine uh, the ability to do the job that we want in our lives. But there's a really meaningful difference between coming to a conclusion about I am um, I am lacking as a parent. I'm, 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 there's something wrong with my parenting versus I'm experiencing a present moment set of angry feelings. There's a very big difference between those things. Now, when I understand that, um, 
you know, for me personally as a parent, but for in any endeavor for that matter, when I experience negative feelings, it is absolutely normal and kind of human to, for me to go to where is this coming from, my, my child's behavior or my deficiency. I usually, it's one of those things. There's something wrong with the circumstance around me or the person around me, or there's something wrong with me. That's kind of my typical go-to place. And then I kind of innocently, but, you know, um, not so helpfully, I start to work on processing, fixing, managing either the person that I feel is causing me this pain or myself that I'm the source of my own pain. I, I start to get into management fixing mode. And, and usually that leads to just a, a busier and more agitated state. And it's built on a misunderstanding. I'm experiencing distressing feelings, upset feelings in a given moment because there is a way in which everything is being created in this moment. There's only one way in, every, in which everything is being created. And, and that's through a, from a source that's beyond me, that's beyond time and space, and it's happening in this moment. That's the only way our experience is, it's the only way anything is created, and including our psychological, psychological experience. That's very meaningful to me. When I, when I have a glimpse that there isn't a child's behavior around, uh, 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 causing my feelings in this moment, there isn't my flaws that's causing my feelings in this moment, I'm just, it kind of takes something off of my mind when I glimpse this. Again, we're talking about the, a gift of understanding. We're not, we're not talking about a, a, a kind of a, an applied tool, an applied prim, principle. We're talking about the way in which my experience can, the way in which my experience works. And when I see that, how it can simplify my life. I'm less inclined to want to fix my child's behavior or manage my child's behavior. I'm less inclined to want to blame and, and judge and try to fix myself. I'm, I'm available to be in this moment's displeasure, and it does feel unpleasure, unpleasant. There's no question it feels unpleasant. But I'm able to be in it without the need to kind of run from it or fight it. I'm able to be in it. And that's there, there's that's... Um, that's, that's a holy thing. I mean, that's a good thing. The ability and the freedom to be in this moment. First of all, it's just true. It's true that it's this moment that is where life is happening. I, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be interested in, uh, what's coming in the way of our, what's coming down the pike in our lives. It's not like we, we have no reason to plan or to consider how we want to live our lives, but to, to the degree that we think about our lives from a place of worry and fear, thinking about the future, we're not really experiencing the future. We're experiencing this moment's consciousness about the future. The future hasn't happened yet. I'm, I'm, I'm only going to be experiencing the experience of tomorrow in the moment tomorrow. The fear and, and worry I might have about this moment I'm sorry, the fear and worry I might have in this moment thinking about tomorrow is really not telling me anything about tomorrow. It's just simply telling me about my consciousness in this moment. And I'm allowed to have unpleasant and dis and fearful feelings. I, 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 not, only am I, not only am I allowed to, I, I don't really have a say not to. 
And when I don't have a say to not feel those feelings, I'm less concerned about managing them. You know, I just, I, I, that's what I see. This understanding for me, as I've come to learn and appreciate the, the, the powerlessness that I have over my feelings, that there's nothing wrong with that, that I'm powerless. It's just the reality of the world. It's just the reality of, the, of life. I don't run my moods and feelings. It's just not my job. With the degree to which I've come to see that it's not my job, I'm, I'm, I'm less bothered when I'm experiencing unpleasant feelings. I'm more grateful when I'm experiencing pleasant feelings. Uh, and I become much more interested in kind of seeing the truth about my experience rather than trying to fix or, or, or get away from my experience. That has been a remarkably helpful understanding. Now, I just want to be clear in the same way that everything is being created in this moment from something that is beyond time and space, the waking up to this clarity is itself only available as a gift. It, it, it's not something that we can, we can talk about this. We can learn about this. We can explore this. We can, none of that is going to actually produce an awakening from kind of within of the truth of this the truth of our psychological experience. If and when we glimpse the truth about our psychological experience, it will be immediately noticeable and, 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 um, and our, it will impact us. And the good news is that we are experiencing tastes of that awakening. We are experiencing shifts in moods and shifts in feelings. We are experiencing the phenomenon that there is a world unfolding inside of us, a divine live feed that is not owing to the, program out there of our life the circumstances and the it's not it's not it's not owing to those things it is the case that we are on the receiving end of this divine flow we're 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 not in control over it we're we're we have an opportunity to have a relationship with that flow we can see its truth we can see the truth of it we can acknowledge what cannot be true about it and that interest in that willingness to look for the truth about our experience is itself, in Jewish consciousness, that's a great, that's a great accomplishment. It's a great mitzvah. It's a, this conversation is, as far as I'm concerned, is a is a is an amuna conversation. It's an it's a it's a conversation in which we are fulfilling the commandment to affirm the the truth of one creator, the truth of one single simple source, and simultaneously to affirm the truth that there are no other powers. That's a mitzvah. That's an extremely valuable exertion of effort to make, to try to understand, to explore. But of course, built into the understand the, the conversation is the recognition that what we're describing is our powerlessness to create things, feelings, moods. That's part of the conversation is the acknowledgement of our powerlessness and the acceptance of that. That's absolutely built into the affirmation of Emuna and the affirmation of there being no other powers, the, 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 the avoidance of idolatry. So that's our intro. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about something that came to me recently that was very striking. And that is, where does our breath come from? You know, it, it, that when we speak of the idea that our psychological experience is being created not by the events of our past, not by the events and circumstances of our present moment life. That's only, that's, a, that's an aspect of that, of that basic premise. The, the overarching premise is there's nothing that's being created. 
except from a source beyond time and space in this moment. That's true of the table that I'm sitting in front of. It's true of the functioning of my physiological, my physical uh, processes of my body. It's true of everything. There is nothing that has independent power. There's nothing that is causing anything else. Everything is on the receiving end of this ongoing cause of energy, this cause of life, this cause of existence. And it's coming from a source that is not of this world right now. Now, that means to say that the way in which we look at our lives and feel ourselves to be capable and powerful would be uh, kind of a built on a misunderstanding. You know, when I reach over to a, to a pencil and I pick it up off the table, it looks to me like I'm doing that, like I have the ability to reach my hand, to lift my hand and clasp, grasp a pencil and pick it up. But, you know, if there's one thing that we can kind of take take a stock of over these last months is that there's been uh, tragically over a million people who've died from corona. I don't know a lot about the the, the physiological uh, processes, but I know, basically understand that that uh, people who suffer from corona eventually lose their capacity to draw breath. Right now, I'm experiencing <laughs> waking. I've, thank God I am experiencing the I'm having breath moment to moment. I, I'm, there are times where I'm aware of drawing breath. There are plenty of times where I'm completely unaware of drawing breath. It looks and feels to me that I can pause right here and right now, and I can, I can desire and act on that desire to draw breath into my lungs. But the truth is, is that the people who who died from Corona also experienced that at one point until they didn't, until they had no longer, they no longer possessed the simple ability to execute that very, very basic life experience, life process of drawing breath into their lungs. Now, if we consider that for a moment, that points to the truth that we're, we're talking about, that there really is no other power. I have no power of my own to create. I'm experiencing the use of the power. I'm definitely experiencing, I obviously, insofar as I'm breathing, I, I'm aware that I am experiencing a power that is kind of working through me, right? I want to draw a breath, and then somehow I draw it, it just feels so kind of normal that I take it for granted, but I can slow down and consider that it's really a borrowed power. It's not mine. It's only available to me because it is being available. It's being made available to me by a, by a source of power. That's not different than my psychological experience. That's not different than my, my consciousness, my, my state of mind. I am not capable of creating, of manifesting a new feeling on my own. I'm not capable of changing a feeling, of ridding myself of a feeling. I am experiencing the power of new thought and new feelings showing up in my heart and mind. And the ability to glimpse that is a simplifying truth. We are so well-suited 
it 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 really is the case that you know uh, the, this analogy is used on a regular basis. How is it helpful for a sailor on a boat on the ocean? Is it helpful for the sailor to know that the Earth is actually round and that there isn't a flat Earth phenomenon that theoretically could pose a danger to him that he could fall off the edge? Right? Is that helpful to a to a sailor? I would suggest it is because to the degree that there is a background premise in his mind that, you know, there is an edge, it's going to occupy his mind, whether he's conscious of it occupying his mind or he's not conscious of of it occupying his mind. It's going to occupy his mind, right? It's, it's going to be on his mind and it's going to factor into a whole way of, of viewing and evaluating and considering his present moment and how he views an hour from now and a day from now and his supplies and all kinds of things. It's going to be on his mind in a way that is basically going to filter his, his experience of life, but it's obviously a false filter. When, when he discovers that there is no such thing as a flat earth, he won't need to remove stress from his mind. He won't have to extract stressful thoughts about falling off the earth from his mind. He won't have to remove it from his mind. It will fall away. He will recognize what he will simply acknowledge. Well, that's not an option. (laughs) I don't have to worry about that. Right? That's what we're talking about. When we glimpse the power that there is the truth, that there is only one power, that it's not ours. We don't possess the power to execute our next inhale. We don't possess the power to execute our next emotional shift. Then something falls off our mind. Something kind of falls away and our life gets simpler. That's the value of this conversation. The value of of, of an Amuna conversation, the recognition that there is a single simple source and there cannot be any other source to anything, including our psychological experience, then we are left with an, uh, a, a simpler worldview within which we will look and, and, and experience and act in the world differently. We don't need to map out how we're going to apply that truth. When we awaken and, and glimpse that truth, it will naturally view it will naturally become simpler to us and and of course that's a gift that glimpse of awareness is a gift and it will be glimpsed and then forgotten built into the human experience is that we awaken to the gift and then we kind of forget the gift and go back to boy that person's uh really capable of annoying me and he's doing it right now or the future looks fearful and threatening to me and I need to worry about that. It looks like a reasonable thing to worry about. It we will we will go in and out. That is part of the human experience that we will awaken and then forget. We will be awake to this reality and then we'll fall asleep to this reality. That's not really a problem because, as far as I can tell, there isn't an alternative. There really is not an alternative. I don't possess the power to awaken and. To, to this truth. I don't possess the power to retain it. Once I do awaken to it, I will cycle through um, 
awareness and lack of awareness, understanding and lack of understanding. And the making peace with that powerlessness, or the rather, I don't know about making, maybe making peace sounds ambitious. I don't have a tool or a process to suggest to make peace, but the willingness to look there and look there and look there again, to look to the truth that there, I am not the power, I am not the, the driver, the manager, and that that's okay, that it's safe, it's not dangerous. That is the nature of our job in this world, to keep looking there, even as we forget to keep looking there. Now, all of this I want to be very clear is not to suggest that there aren't real circumstances in our lives that are um, things that require intervention. It's not like it's not possible for a person to encounter uh, harmful behavior, inappropriate behavior, abusive behavior. There is such things in the world. There is such, there are actual circumstances in the world in which we're living. There are things that require our responses, our intervention. Of course, they don't possess the ability. Two things can be true at once. We can encounter inappropriate or wrongful behavior, and yet we can understand that that behavior does not um, have the power to victimize us, to create our eternal, our internal experience. It could be wrong. It could be it could be damaging or inappropriate behavior, and we aren't we aren't controlled by that behavior. We have the ability to have our, our experience of that circumstance is not is not coming from the behavior we're encountering. So, in short, we're we're, we're revisiting the, the the simple idea of the breath, the idea of the breath, and where it comes from. As much as it looks and feels to us that it's in our possession to operate and to act on, let us kind of acknowledge the, the, the lives of all those who've died in the last eight months who lost their capacity to execute that breath. Let, let's just acknowledge and learn from their experience that we aren't in possession of that power in an absolute sense. We're using that power, but it's not ours. And in that manner, neither is, um, neither is the power of our capacity to experience mo our emotional states and our emotional our moods. We aren't the authors of that of those moods and feelings. We're using a power. It's showing up in our, in our in our experience. There is a power that's showing up inside of us, but no different than breath. It's not in our possession. It's not in our control. And we can notice that. We can awaken to that. And thereby come to simple to, to recognize I'm not if I'm not the power, then I'm not on the hook to manage my feelings. I get to do my job. My job is simply to look for what's true about my psychological experience. That's a good job for us. And when we stick to that good, simple job, we will see that our lives will be simpler. Not to say that our lives will necessarily be will, will be free of discomfort or displeasure or stress or fear. But our lives will look simpler even as we encounter all these this variety and array of, of feelings and emotions. This session is no longer being recorded.